Let's all take our scriptures and let's turn to Psalm 119, the longest chapter in our book. You know, there are words or phrases that when you hear them together, they go together. So, for example, peanut, butter, and Right, go together. Good job. Love the participation. Or how about, I know this is family worship Sunday, so we have a lot of elementary age kids in here. So help me with this one. Bow and arrow. Something over here. I don't know what that was, but <laughs> talk to your mom after. Bow and arrow. Um, and then for our country music fans, how about this? Brooks and very good. So there's some words, phrases, they just, they make a good pairing. But then there are some words or phrases that are used together that maybe don't seem like a very good pairing, like cauliflower and pizza. Now, don't hate if you haven't tried, but that's an unlikely pair. Or how about ice and coffee? Now, I don't prefer that, but I know a lot of people, they enjoy iced coffee. Or how about chocolate hummus? People, you can buy that at the store. So apparently there's people that enjoy that. But these are, these are unlikely pairings. And in the scripture we're going to read today, we're going to see an unlikely pairing. And so let's dive into Psalm 119, verse 65. We're going to read the text together through verse 72. And like I've been saying, the text is everything. It's the most important part of our sermon. And so let's read Psalm 119, beginning of verse 65. You have treated your servant well, Lord, according to your word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will comply with your precepts. Their heart is insensitive like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted so that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. So if you look with me over 71, you'll see this unlikely pairing. It reads, it is good for me that I was afflicted. You see, good and affliction. How is the psalmist able to pair good and affliction to me, that feels like chocolate and hummus, if I'm honest. But he does, and I think there's at least two reasons. And let's look at these together. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So prior to his affliction, he went astray. He erred, he wandered. And when I think about the psalmist, I think about the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son. Many of us who've grown up in the church were familiar with the story that Jesus told to some religious leaders of the day and his closest followers. There was this son who was with his father in his father's home, and his son said, give me my money, I'm out of here. And so he leaves his home, and he leaves his father, and he goes and he spends his money, it says, on wild living, living it up. And then the affliction comes. He's strayed from his home and from his father. He's squelched what he's had, and then affliction. The scripture, the story tells us there's a famine. He runs out of money, he runs out of friends, and finally he has to eat pig food because no one will help him. But then the scripture says something very interesting. It's after his affliction that he came to his senses, and what did he do? He returned home to the father. 
he returned home. You see, affliction has a way of getting our attention. And it happened here for the psalmist. He says, before I went astray, I was afflicted. And his affliction is going to get his attention. This happened to me just a few months ago. I was pulling up over in an intersection near Brookshire's to one of those rolling stop signs, if you know what I'm talking about. And students, children, there's no such thing, but I I treated it that way. I pulled up to this rolling stop sign, and I should have stopped, and I didn't. And so I, again, I erred. I, I, I wandered, if you will, and, and, I, and I rolled through the stop sign, and I kept going, and then all of a sudden, one of our fine police officers at Willow Park, he pulled me over. And he pulled me over, and they asked the question, do you know why I stopped you? And we all act like we don't know. Like, what are you talking about? And so I didn't do that. I said, uh, I said I'm so sorry. I'm a pastor from Christ Chapel, just trying to get... <laughs> And, and so then the affliction came with the ticket, right? But now, when I go to that stop sign, I stop. And that's what happens. Affliction has a way of getting our attention. And so my daughter and I, we went by the Brookshire's there, and I said, I told her what happened. I was like, so now I'm going to stop. And, and I did. And this is what's going to happen for the psalmist. His affliction gets his attention. And we see this. In verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now, I just want to be real clear here. He went astray. See, sometimes the affliction we experience is from decisions we make. But there's also other reasons affliction comes. But in this case, the psalmist says, I went astray. But notice what he says then. But now I keep your word. You see, before I wasn't obeying you, God, before I wasn't keeping your law, but because of my affliction, now, he says, I keep and I obey your words. Affliction gets our attention. And he says, I know, I know now, and look with me at verse 68, I know, God, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. This is a foundational doctrine for the Christian. It is a foundation that we can stand on when times are shaky, and that is our God is good, and he does good. And so the psalmist realizes, God, your affliction, it got my attention. It got my attention. It got my focus on you and your word. And now he's devoted. He's a fully devoted follower. Because notice what he says in the next two verses. The arrogant have forged a lie against me with all my heart. See there, he's, he's fully devoted now. He, he went astray, he experienced affliction, which got his attention, and now his eyes, his focus are on God and his word. And he says, with all my heart, I will comply with your precepts. Their heart is insensitive like fat, but I delight in your law. And so here's a point to take home with you. Maybe if you write notes, this is it. And it's affliction can focus our attention on God and his word. This is what affliction can do. It can focus our attention on God and his word. I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in many others. We have affliction with a family member, maybe our teenager. And what does that affliction do? It causes us to look into God's word and look to God for help and for guidance. Or something at work or a faith crisis. And we're in this affliction. And what do we do? We turn again to God and his word. And this is what happened to the psalmist. He says, it's good for me to be afflicted. 
because it got my attention on you and your word. But there's another reason I think the psalmist can declare what he declared. And so look with me again at verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted so that, so he's going to give us a reason for why he said what he just said. I may learn your statutes. It's good, it's good for me, God, that you afflicted me because it's caused me to learn your book. And so the psalmist, he learned something through his affliction. He learned through his suffering and he is not the only one. Jesus did as well. And so I wanna turn your attention to a passage in Hebrews chapter five, where there's, I'm gonna admit, there's some mystery around this, but I wanna share it with you because it speaks to our text today. And Hebrews chapter five, beginning of verse seven, says in the days of Jesus's humanity, so talking about the, the time that Jesus lived and walked on this earth, he offered up both prayers and pleas with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. Now, if you are a Bible student and you're familiar with the Gospels, as you read that, you're probably thinking about the time that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's pleading and he's talking with God and he's in such agony that the Gospel of Luke tells us that he's sweating drops of blood. And then it goes on and the author of Hebrews says, and he was heard because of his behavior. But then look at verse eight. Although he was a son, the son of God, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Now, Jesus was perfect, so it's not like he was disobedient, but it says he learned obedience through his suffering. So just as the psalmist learned something through his affliction, it says that Jesus learned obedience from his suffering. And one thing I think this passage can do for all of us is it can kind of give us, if you will, a framework for how to navigate our own affliction, our own suffering, our own, our own hardships. And I'll call it PTL. Like Jesus, we can press into God when we experience suffering. Notice in this passage, and even in the Gospels, when Jesus was in agony, when he was suffering, he went to the Father with loud pleas and loud cries. And so maybe right now, some of you are in affliction. You're experiencing some hardship, some discipline in your life. Like Jesus, you can follow in his footsteps and you can press into God with exactly how you feel, with tears, with frustration. And you can even ask him to take it from you. This is what Jesus did. He pleaded with the father, take this cup from me. And so I think there's some things we can learn and that's first press into God. Ask him to comfort us, ask him to relieve us, to take this from us. But also like Jesus, we can follow his example by not just pressing into God, but trusting God as our father. This is what Jesus did. He pressed into God, pleaded with God, but in the end, he trusted his heavenly father. And so maybe you're experiencing some kind of discipline and it's an opportunity for you like Jesus to trust the father. Last is learn. It says that Jesus learned obedience. The, the psalmist learned something. And so maybe in our affliction, 
maybe we can ask God, what is it you're trying to teach me? What is it that you want me to learn? And so I just want to encourage you again, if you find yourself in affliction, then PTL, press into God, trust him and ask, what can I learn in this moment? What did the psalmist learn? He tells us he learned something and what did he learn? He says, I learned your statutes. So it was good for me to be afflicted, God, because it caused me to learn about you and your word. And and God's word to the psalmist was priceless. Look with me at verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces, he says. Priceless. This is what the psalmist learned how valuable God was and how valuable God's word was to him. It was good for me to be afflicted. But the psalmist is not the only one who sees this. See, the psalmist realized that that, that affliction wasn't pointless. Like affliction was with purpose. And the author of Hebrews would agree. Again, I want you to kind of turn your attention to a New Testament passage with me because we're going to see that the author of Hebrews agrees with the author of Psalm 119, and that is there is purpose behind affliction. There's purpose behind affliction. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 says, for they, now they, that's earthly parents, for they, earthly parents, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. Now, I love this as a parent because it doesn't say we as parents, we discipline perfectly. And so students and elementary age kids, look at me just for a moment. Your parents, your grandparents, they're doing the best they can when it comes to raising you. Amen, parents and grandparents? I love this verse. I want my, ki- like, I want my kids to see this. Huh? Like, we're doing our best. We're doing our best. But he uses this, the author of Hebrews, to make this point. Parents do their best, but he, speaking of God, disciplines us for our, what does your text say? Good. He disciplines us for our good. Remember what the psalmist said? Our God is good and he does good. And this is what the author of Hebrews is saying. He disciplines us for our good because God is good and he does good. But notice in the author here of Hebrews, it's God who's disciplined. He's bringing discipline. And the psalmist would also agree. If you go back to Psalm 119 and and you go to the next stanza, the psalmist is gonna tell us who causes affliction. In Psalm 119, verse 75, I know, Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that you, God, have afflicted me in faithfulness. So both Both of these authors, they both realized it was God behind their affliction, a good God, a faithful God. And here's what I want us all to understand. Discipline is not God leaving us alone, but it's God leaning into us. This is what discipline is. It's not God leaving us alone, it's God leaning in to us for our good. Let's keep reading what the author of Hebrews says in verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. So that's important for us to understand because I think sometimes as Christians, we feel like we have to walk around all the time with a smile. 
But the author here says, no, I mean, discipline, affliction, it's not pleasant. Matter of fact, it is painful. It's, it hurts, but it's for our good. And there's two things we see in Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna see in verse 10 and 11, two things that God is working in us through, through his discipline of us. It says, for they discipline us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. Why? So that we may share his holiness. And so when you and I go through affliction as God's children, it's so that we can become more and more holy. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterward, what does it produce? What does it yield? Peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so God's discipline of, of us is good because it makes us more holy and it makes us more righteous, meaning it makes us more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what God is after in your life and in mine. He's after each and every one of us being conformed more and more to the image of his son, Jesus. Now I have to discipline my children, it may surprise you, but I have to discipline my children sometimes for certain things certain things that they say or certain things that they do. But I want my children to know something. I discipline them because they're mine. I get on to them. I discipline them because they're my kids. And I want them to know that because if they weren't my kids, then I wouldn't discipline them. But because they belong to me, I discipline them. And that's what I want them to know. I discipline them because you belong to me. And this is what discipline is for the Christian. Discipline assures us that we belong to God and he has a plan for us. And so when you're going through affliction or you're going through discipline, realize it's, it's a marker, it's an indication that you belong to God's family. And that he has a plan that he's working in your life for your good. We have a good God who does good to us. But I want to end by looking actually at the very first verse of the stanza, verse 65. It says, you have treated your servant well. Now we could sit across the table from each other and we could list numerous reasons how God has, God has treated us well. Family, work, school, friends, abilities, talents, or church. I mean, we could list and go on and on and list all the ways that God has treated us well, but I don't know if that's what the psalmist has in mind here because the context of this stanza is about affliction. 